Hey there. Welcome into the Nesson Bruins podcast. I am Nesson.com's Logan Mullen, joined as always by Nesson.com's Lauren Campbell. Lauren, what's up? What's up? It's been a while. It has been a while. It's been a little over a month. The days kind of blend together now, so I have no idea really when the Bruins stopped playing. It was like a month and a half ago, right? It does. It seems like it's been forever, but I don't think it's been I don't think it's been more than a month, month yeah. and a half. Well, time is a social construct. No Mike Cole uh, this week. He is in a meeting, has other obligations. We're probably going to hear from him soon at some point. But uh, as is very rarely the case, today is July 20th and actually a very busy day on the NHL calendar for obvious reasons. But the NHL expansion draft will start tomorrow. So by tomorrow being Wednesday. So by the end of the day, Wednesday, we will know who is on the 32nd NHL team. Kind of hard to believe it's a 32-team league now. Exciting times. I feel like Vegas just got here last year. Yeah, they don't even get to participate in the expansion draft, which good for them. Probably far fewer headaches than anyone else. Uh, So obviously some expansion draft-related items to get to first, but since it has been over a month since we've checked in with each other, I guess. I mean, we talk, what, pretty much every day, multiple times a week. Um, But... There are a few Bruins items to get through. So we'll start. Well, why don't we start with Brandon Carlo? So since we met last, Brandon Carlo, six-year deal, uh, six-year extension with the Bruins, $4.1 million cap hit. Uh, Bruins lock up a franchise cornerstone for a while, somebody that is very obviously part of their core. Uh, what's your initial thoughts? I love the deal. I think I was surprised by it because I thought the Bruins were going to go the bridge route, maybe kind of get two-year deal in there like we've seen them do with other players, but I love the deal. You need Carlo on this team, especially with all the holes and, you know, Kevin Miller's absence now. You need that big body on there. They don't really have a lot of true, like, stay-at-home guys, especially now that Kevin Miller's gone. Or, like, Charlie McAvoy is obviously a jack-of-all-trades guy, but, like, Grizzlick's not really a shutdown guy. And the underlying numbers for Carlo aren't great. I mean, my feelings about him have been well-documented, you know, feelings that I've kind of softened on. But it, at that figure, you'll take $4.1 million of Brandon Carlo for a while. I was kind of shocked that he ended up with trade protection. I feel like that doesn't usually happen for guys making that kind of money, but... You know, he's only going to be, I believe, 30 by the time that deal's up. So it's not like they're going to be really eating the back years of that deal. No, and he'll be, I mean, he'll be in his prime, just coming out of his prime right at the beginning when his deal ends. So this is a really good setup for both Carlo and the Bruins. Yeah, that's what I thought, too, is that, you know, for him, it'll give him another, if he plays well, it'll give him another chance to cash in. Because even if he's 30, if he's still playing at a high level, the injury history are obviously things that you have to be concerned about. But you know, provided he's playing at a high level, he's staying relatively healthy. He'll have another chance to cash in. But I am kind of surprised that he didn't do another year to take himself to unrestricted free agency. But I guess that's just an indication that he likes it here. Yeah, I think that's the biggest indication is he wants to be here and he took the deal that he thought was best for the Bruins and himself. So good for him. Yeah, provides the Bruins with some stability because they do lose Kevin Miller, who is now retired. Um, You know, it was kind of a shock that he even played this past year, especially as much as he did a very unconventional route to the NHL and a pretty unconventional last couple of years for him fighting through all those injuries. The value of Kevin Miller, I guess, is argued on a variety of levels, but ultimately I think he was a good Bruin who often provided a little bit of stability. He, uh, Jakob Zaboral probably played his best with him. Matt Grizzlick kind of broke into the league with Kevin Miller. Connor Clifton got a few looks with Kevin Miller too early on in 2018, I guess it was. So, 
ultimately a, a valuable guy. Yeah, he was. And, you know, that's a big body that needs replacing now. And he's been around seven years with the Bruins and just the veteran presence, obviously the physical presence. And it, it stings to lose somebody due to injury. I think that it wasn't too much of a shock given the knee injury. Then he had the infection this year and then the hit up high that kind of ended a season. So it stinks because I really enjoyed his play on the ice. They were some Bruins were a better team when they were when they had him on the ice and you noticed his absence when he was gone. But I mean, you got to choose at one point quality of life and he's got yeah. kids. He's got other things going on and he's only 34. So he's got a lot of life left to live and there's no point in trying to elongate an NHL career if you don't feel you can at your best. Yeah, I mean, the writing was on the wall too. He couldn't really even do morning skates and they were really sheltering him in practice. And that's just not a sustainable way to continue playing, especially as you go into your thirties. Like I get the maintenance part, but that was not going to happen. No. And especially, you know, concussion history and the knee issue alone. I mean, forget two, three years ago when he had like a broken hand, something was wrong in his neck. Like he just had injury after injury and the knee is in particular breaking it both ways in the span of a couple of months is just, I just feel like there's never going to be any full trust, 100% trust in that knee ever again, and obviously need your legs for hockey, especially defense. Yeah, well, and he doesn't play the type of role either where you can kind of – like he doesn't play a skill role or no. a finesse role, and that that's the type of thing where the likelihood of re-injury was probably pretty high. But that leaves the Bruins, again, with some you know holes to fill. I had long thought that with the departure of Stephen Camford that they would probably bring Jared Tenorti back my kick right now is that they should sign Yanni Hockenpah from the Carolina Hurricanes. Uh, We'll see if that happens. Obviously, business in the NHL is kind of on pause until the Kraken figure out what they're doing. Then we have free agency in a week. Uh, Another note is that Yaroslav Halak definitely not coming back. Uh, Among the teams he's supposedly getting interest from is the Toronto Maple Leafs, which does kind of make sense. But another guy where for three years he he kind of, you know, breathed a little bit more life back into Tuka Rask. He did, and he gave him the much-needed rest that Tuka's needed before he came along. And I think, too, with Kevin Miller, like, the writing was on the wall with Kevin Miller, the writing was on the wall with Halak, and I think my turning point was in morning skate when he didn't have a good morning skate. He was letting every puck pass him, lost his mind, lost his cool, and, and to me, that just said to me that he just lost his backup job to Jeremy Swayman. Yeah. Ultimately, he did. And anywhere else, I feel like he would be a starter. And he was incredibly good. Bruce Cassidy had all the praise in the world for him. Very, very good. Gave Tuca that rest. And it helped Tuca in the long run. And you lose a valuable goalie, like I said, who probably would be a starter at, at any other team. But certainly makes sense for the Maple Leafs. And it will be really interesting if he ends up going there. I do wonder what the Bruins will do because obviously they have Swayman, they have Ladar, but if things go south with either one of them quickly, that would obviously be a problem. And the thing is that for as good as Jeremy Swayman was, and even Dan Vladar to a degree, like we don't know what they are. Like the sample size is way too small. And things, I mean, the Flyers have basically ruined Carter Hart because they ran to a situation where they had a revolving door of goalies and they thought, all right, like Carter Hart's the guy. And then at 23 years old, they were watching him get basically bushwhacked because their defense outside of Ivan Provorov stunk. And now he's just a puddle and they don't know what the deal is there. So I would imagine they would be reticent of creating a similar situation who knows? But the Bruins are probably in a position where they have to go and sign a goalie because I don't think you can go into next season with uh, Vladar, Swayman, and Callum Booth. And, no. you know, it, with Tuka Rask, even if they do re-sign him, 
uh, definitely missing the beginning of the year. I, I think it's good from an experimental standpoint if you can at least see what uh, you have in Swayman, but they probably probably need some level of like uh, – I don't even know what the best example would be, like a Peter Morazic. Uh, I think Cam Talbot is a free agent. Like you have to find probably the the mid thirties, like low end backup. But if you're really leaning on Swayman, then you're probably not going to sign somebody akin to what they did with like Hudobin or Halak. Yeah, and you certainly don't want to ruin Swayman's confidence, especially how right. well he played. And you know, you mentioned Carter Hart. You can even throw Jordan Biddington in there. He can't yeah. win a playoff game since they beat the Bruins in 2019, but it's you know I know that they have to the Bruins have to wait until this expansion draft. How many goalies are left out there? I've been saying this in my head since the off season started, and I don't know if it's just me convincing myself or just saying it over and over that I love the idea more. But if you sign Henrik Lundqvist, if he's healthy enough, of yeah. course. But I mean, we know he's capable of being an incredible goalie, one of the best goalies in the NHL, always has been, and. Unfortunately, is he had that heart issue, and that's looks like he's on the right track. He's very positive, very positive updates all the time with that. I don't know. I think it might be worth bringing him in. I I've always liked Henrik Lundqvist, and it's a shame that he does not have a cup to his name. Yeah, and I mean I've got the list up here now in terms of cost-effective options. I mean James Reimer, uh, David Riddick, maybe Linus Ulmark, who is used to getting just peppered with shots. Uh, Anders Nielsen. It's not a very long list. Uh, Laurent Brossois, I would imagine the, the Jets probably want to try and bring him back. Brian Elliott's a, f- a free agent. Curtis McElhenney, who might retire. I mean, it, it's not – I guess with a effectively a third goalie, you're just looking for your break glass guy who will save you in a time of desperation, but that would probably be the guy that you ideally would never want to use. Yeah. Um, so an interesting situation – for the Bruins, and the one, uh, the one other piece of news is that the Bruins and uh, Taylor Hall are said to be getting close. I don't think that surprises anybody. That is according to Andy Strickland, who's the who works for Bally Sports. He's a St. Louis Blues ringside reporter. I don't really know what the connection is there. Andy Strickland gets a lot of uh, St. Louis Blues scoops, like he got it. And current and former players, he was all over the David Backus stuff. Yeah. Uh, I trust him enough, I guess, but it's also not surprising. I mean, I Taylor Hall, pretty much since he got to Boston, said they wanted to figure something out. The Bruins were reciprocating that as well. So I, I'm sure that might be a contract in the drawer kind of thing. Oh, yeah. I don't think it's a surprise to anybody. Like you said, he wants to be here. He enjoyed his time. He got a lot of playoff experience and got to experience more than just the first round of the playoffs with a team that has a really big winning mentality. And you're playing alongside people like David Krejci, Brad Marchand, Patrice Bergeron. Those are names that people want to play with. And maybe getting Taylor Hall back also opens the door for Krejci to certainly come back and continue, you know, finish this unfinished business of getting that last cup that they all want. I'm shocked we haven't heard anything on the Krejci front. Yeah. Because the the whole thing was they, he was going to wait and think about his future. And I figured we would have at least had some sort of indication. I guess if he was going to consider retirement we might have known already I don't know but he's also kind of been like Boston or bust for him so maybe I'm more optimistic than most I don't think it's going to cost as much to keep some of these guys around like I don't think Hall is going to be much over six million a year I think Krejci if they do resign if he comes back probably won't be much more than like four four and a half uh and Tuka Rask, too. I mean, I think Tuka Rask, you're probably getting on, what, like a two-year deal yeah. with 
four million per or something like that. So again, a lot of questions that probably won't be answered until at least a week and a half from now when free agency does open. And even then it might not be a mad dash, who knows? And and maybe once the, the expansion draft happens then there will be a bit more of an indication, some more news moving around. Yeah, and, you know, we probably won't hear much on the Tuca front. I don't even think we've heard anything if he's even had the actual surgery yet. It's a good point, but yeah. But at the same time, he's technically a free agent, right? So it's like, who's going to release the news? Is it going to be Tuca, who's radio silent on social media and everything? Yeah. Is it going to be Andy Strickland, who comes out <laughs> right. and has the news? But, you know, there's a lot of, of questions going forward. But I feel, you know, Tuca, David Krejci, Taylor Hall – they all can be brought back and on very reasonable contracts. I just think a lot of Bruins fans, too, have Krejci's last contract in mind. We're like, oh, no, we can't do that again. Yeah. And it's like, I, I don't think the Bruins would do that again because yeah. of, simply because of his age. Yeah, I, I'd be – I mean, I think the figure that they'd be capable of getting David Krejci at, people would be pretty agreeable yeah. to. I think any team in the NHL would. I mean, that, that stuff does happen sometimes. And if it, I can see something like a two-year deal for – Krejci and Rask, where it's like, okay, let's see if we can make this happen one more time. And then you kind of pivot to, you know, Hall and Marshawn and Pasternak being the futures because, you know, once Bergeron's contract is up, like there, there's a lot of miles on those tires. Yep. So I think, you know, I don't think we're going to be seeing any deals with significant term. No. Um, any more thoughts on the, I guess, uncertainty <laughs> surrounding the Bruins right now? No, just There's a lot of it. And I think that, it's going to be a long summer. I don't think it's going to come out as soon as free agency starts. I think it's going to be prolonged. And I know training camp and we have the preseason schedule set and everything, but I mean, we could be in August, well into August, and we'll still be sitting here talking about what are the Bruins going to do. Yeah, and I think Bruins fans would be right to be a little, I don't know if jaded's the right word, but after everything that happened with Zdeno Chara, where he right. didn't end up signing until over two months after free agency opened, you know, Again, I don't think it will necessarily be a mad dash for David Krejci or anybody to resign. I mean, we, no. we there might be a situation where Tuka Rask doesn't sign until the end of until he's almost done rehabbing, right. and they get him on a prorated deal. Uh, I'm sure at that point there would be a leak of that happening. Like it wouldn't just be oh you know shrug who knows what's happening right. with Tuka, but. I don't know, an interesting time, which brings us to more uncertainty. So the Bruins on Saturday had to submit their expansion draft list. Uh, it was released Sunday. There was only really one area where they were going to be surprised, and it was the three guys vying for the final two spots, being Trent Frederick, Jake DeBrusque, and Nick Ritchie going for two spots. It ended up being Frederick and DeBrusque, meaning Nick Ritchie is exposed. Uh, Nick Ritchie is among the notable players. Uh, that are available to Seattle, Jeremy Lozon, Jakob Zaborl, uh, Chris Wagner, Curtis Lazar, Connor, Connor Clifton. Clifton. Yep. So did anything I, – I guess the first question I have for you is, do you think they made the right decision protecting Frederick and DeBrusque over Nick Ritchie? I do. And I had a feeling that Frederick would be protected just because of his contract that he signed recently. Um, I don't I don't know if it was just people saying that DeBrusque should be exposed, that people believed he was going to be exposed, but I don't think there was any reason for them to go into the, the Bruins to go into the expansion draft without protecting Jake DeBrusque. Like, why don't you protect Jake DeBrusque? He's on a team-friendly deal, and he could have trade value. He could, he could reach his potential. I mean, he's, he hasn't yet, but there's a reason that they protected him. But no real, like, surprise that jumped out at me where I was like, uh-oh, that's a mistake. Yeah. 
I think a lot of people didn't understand who was and was not eligible. Like a lot of people being like, why'd you protect Ladar over right. Swayman? And <laughs> Swayman just wasn't eligible. But I would agree. I mean, in terms of trade value, I'd say even Trent Frederick probably has more trade value for, than Nick Ritchie, even for as well as he played. But for as challenging of a season as Jake DeBrusque just had, I don't think people are putting enough weight into how much trade value he does still have. I mean, I think if he does get moved, you're looking at a situation where it's like a swap of reclamation projects, basically. And reclamation projects probably isn't even a fair term. It, like, change of scenery, guys. Like, the the longstanding rumor was, a, what, a Jake DeBrusque for Jake Vertanen one-for-one. One. Right. The Jake Vertanen thing obviously isn't happening. Um, but, and I think the other one that's kicked around is, like, for Ethan Bear, yes. and, and then they could send him to Edmonton. There's so much more value in doing that than just leaving them for Seattle because Seattle would probably take them. They'd be oh, silly yeah. if they didn't uh, because that is the exact type of play player where you know that if he you know catches fire, if he figures it out, like the ceiling is high. He's a 45 to 50 point uh, per season guy, and you don't want to just give those guys away because he's coming off a bad year. Right. And everybody in a lot of ways is coming off a bad year. Like it was a really weird year, and I don't think it's – necessarily fair to value guys or make sweeping judgments based on how they played this past season like he very clearly was struggling dealing with the the life circumstance that came with this past NHL season so yeah ultimately I think they made the right choice I mean there was the even with the Trent Frederick thing like there was what was it the athletic writer who covers the blues when he was kicking around Jeremy Rutherford uh, Jeremy Rutherford yeah yeah, and he was kicking around like Tarasenko trade uh, ideas and he had like Trent Frederick and a first for Tarasenko, it's like, I mean, if you trust the health, if you trust the medicals, then it's right. like, well, that's probably, you know, if that's what people elsewhere in the NHL think that Trent Frederick is worth, which he might be. I mean, he's a first-round pick. He's yep. a center, um, and he showed a lot of good flashes yeah. this past year. But, like, you don't just give up on that. I Nick Ritchie, two years ago, was a one-for-one one with Dan Heinen. Right. Um, <laughs> a, a fine player in his own right, but just doesn't carry the same cash out. Right. Uh, so who do you think Seattle takes? I think they're going for Jeremy Lozon. I think okay. it makes a lot of sense. I think Jay Leach being in Seattle too, I yep. think you know, he knows a lot about Jeremy Lozon and I think he brings a lot. He struggled last year with, you know, coming back from his injury. He wasn't really wasn't the same player, but he's not afraid to throw his weight around. He can get around to the pucks and everything. So he's a pretty good defenseman that I think Seattle could benefit from and he's still young. Yeah, he is still young. I think they're gonna go with Clifton. Uh you know that's a very team-friendly contract, like yes. two years of a right-shot defenseman making one million a year, who can also play on the left side. Like the versatility obviously helps. He's quieted his game down a lot, so he's not. You know, he. he I was very impressed last year with how he took the most like aggressive parts of his game and channeled them into a way that kept him within control. I guess because that was what ultimately sank him a lot early on in his career was like you'd take the aggressiveness, but sometimes you'd go too far and then you're on the penalty kill or whatever. I I think to have somebody that you know you could play probably every night and is only going to take up a small portion of your cap space right now is probably the type of move that they're looking to do, especially because the Bruins didn't have to leave anybody uh, you know, on super big deals or, you know, super high ceilings yeah. uh, exposed. So I we're in agreement that they'd take a defenseman. I really don't know what other forward they would take. I mean, I don't know, maybe Chris Wagner, I guess you could make a case for, but Carson Kuhlman would be another one, I That's suppose. Uh, 
Go ahead. I don't know. I just think out of all of them, I think Nick Ritchie poses the most like attractiveness to Seattle. Yeah. But I mean, I don't know. The, they're still Kuhlman, Ritchie, Wagner. They're still solid forwards. But are they? Will Seattle need them by the time they get to the next round of picks, or were they? Will they take a forward right away? Will they surprise everyone yeah. and just take one of the Bruins forwards? But I don't know. Like, there's a lot. Yeah, and, and I mean, if I'm Don Sweeney, I'm probably not in any rush to be making trades with Seattle. I mean, right. there's nobody that – because this was one of the things I wrote the other week. is like I don't think this is going to go anything like Vegas because so many teams got hosed, the biggest one being uh, Anaheim, who basically gave away Shea Theodore. Right. Like, be, and when they really didn't need to. Um, so I think teams are going to be cognizant of that, and the Bruins aren't so desperate to keep somebody – I would guess of all the ones they have where they're sending draft picks or prospects to Seattle, that to me just doesn't seem like right. the approach they'll take. Uh, so let's you know step back, take a, a view from 10,000 feet. Uh, a lot of teams are dangling big contracts. So some GMs more than others are basically trying to goad the Kraken into taking on some of their bad deals. Yeah. The big thing surrounding Seattle is that they – are said to be wanting to keep a ton of financial flexibility. I completely understand that because why would you, you know, when given 81 and a half million of cap space and no contracts start taking on everybody's bad deal. Um, so let's just go through a couple of the notable names that did get left open. And if you were running the show in the Pacific Northwest, if you would uh, scoop them up or not. And why don't we go with Mark Giordano, uh, the defenseman captain, couple of years removed from winning the Norris Trophy for the Calgary Flames. I think you take him. I think if I would it, agree. If you pass up on him, I mean, that's I just like that's someone you don't pass up on. You see that name on the list and you're just like, that's him. Well, I don't care when we have to pick him, but that is when he's going to be on the Seattle Kraken. Yeah, I think you run into a tough situation where all of a sudden you want to build like the, the locker room stuff like that was yeah. all the rumors about them being interested in Duncan Keith. It's like, right. what's the net benefit of that? But I do think Giordano still has a little bit of value. Uh, Nashville Predators are dangling a couple guys that I would want nothing to do with, Matt yeah. Duchesne and Ryan Johansson. Uh, I, that's basically David Poyle trying to get rid of some bad mistakes. I, I get the upside with Duchesne, but that's a big ticket. I think $8 million a year for a guy who's coming off some bad runs in Nashville. Yeah, very much agree. I think that they should, shouldn't even look that way. They should just run away from it because, like you said, it's, just, it's a salary dump or tr an attempt at a salary dump, and yeah. I don't think Seattle will take that bait. Yeah, and a couple goalies too. So uh, Carey Price got left exposed. I think he's got ten and a half million left on uh, his deal or his cap hit is ten and a half million. Then they the Dallas Stars got Ben Bishop to waive his no trade clause. I think it's more likely that they take Bishop because the Stars exposed list mainly consists of prospects. Like unless they went with like a Blake Como or somebody like that, or I think Andre Sakara is also exposed, but. I don't know. I'd probably take neither, especially after signing Chris Drieger. Uh, and, like, Vitek Vanacek is available, too. Right. Washington had to leave him exposed. I feel like there are just better options. But I can see from a mayhem standpoint how it would be cool if they took Carey Price. It'd be incredibly chaotic if they took him. But, he too, he poses a lot of risk. I read somewhere that, I think it was The Athletic, that he may be dealing with a knee injury that right. requires surgery. And then it becomes, okay, well, what kind of knee surgery? What kind of injury is he dealing with? How long will he be out? And ten and a half mil—that's a lot. And I believe he's owed eleven million as a as a bonus in September. So that's just—it's a lot of money to take on. It's a lot of risk. Ben Bishop, obviously, like 
maybe that's the safer route. But I, I'm rooting for Carey Price just because I love chaos and I want to see. I'd love yeah. to see him get out of Montreal too. Yeah, well, and the Carey Price thing is like, that would be a tell that they think they can win right away, which right. after what happened with Vegas, I can understand why. But you're probably not tying up, what, an eighth of your cap space into Carey Price if yeah. you don't think that. Because otherwise, what are you doing? There's really right. not much um, benefit to that. And, and then the other ones would be uh, the Tampa Bay Lightning. So obviously they're miles over the cap. They've got – they had to leave a lot of – uh, very good players exposed. So Alex Kalorn is available. Yanni Gord, um, blanking on the others. Uh, we just talked oh, about Bra this. Oh, yeah. Braden Point and Tyler Johnson. Those are the other two. Tyler Johnson's one of those guys that's been in trade rumors all yeah. the time. Um, if I were them, I'm probably taking Yanni Gord, which would be kind of funny to see Barclay Goodrow, Blake Coleman, and Yanni Gord all walk uh, this offseason. Or I guess Gord wouldn't be considered walking but a very hard-to-play-against center that you would probably want to start a team around. He's making a little over $5 million, I think. Uh, but decent enough offensive player, a good agitator defensively, a very good detail-oriented player. I would think he would probably be the safer bet, and he's the youngest of those four. Yeah, I, I would say Yanni Gord, too, or Braden Point. I mean, yeah. he had an incredibly successful Stanley Cup playoff run. Like, he was just – you could not play against him. He was scoring game after game and just incredibly successful. And – if Seattle wants to make, obviously, a run at the playoffs, he has a proven track record that he can play there. Right. I would think if I were the Lightning, I'd be praying that they take either Gord or Kalorn. Probably yeah. Kalorn more so because if they have to start trading guys too, I think they could get a haul for even Tyler Johnson too. But, yeah, uh, for sure. But Braden Point in particular, I think they could get a massive deal for. So yeah. who knows? Uh, so any other thoughts? We're about, what, 28 hours until – they uh, announced it. They probably already know who they're taking. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure they've been at this as soon as the list came out. Yeah. But I'm curious to see where Tarasenko is going. What's going to happen with him? Well, so there's the rumor today that even if he gets picked by Seattle, they're going to flip him. Right. And it's like, oh, okay, so three teams are involved. Like, where is he going to go? What's Seattle going to do? I'm just – I think that's the biggest name where I'm like – I want them to take him because I want to see him get flipped. And I want to yeah. see, like I said, chaos. I just want to see it all. I'm, I'm curious about the Tarasenko thing, too, because I don't think whatever team, whether it's the Blues or the Kraken, I don't think whatever team is trading him is going to get that much in return unless they're retaining salary. Right. And if I were Seattle, the last thing I would want to be doing right now is retaining salary on a deal that still has a few years left uh, for a guy that will never play a game for you. Right. And – if, if you are hell-bent on moving him, I just don't know why you would blow that pick. Um, especially when Vince Dunn's available, too. Like, the, the Blues true. had to leave I Vince Dunn exposed. That. So I feel like there are objectively better options uh, to take from St. Louis than Tarasenko for the yeah. purpose of flipping him for who knows what return, unless that's one of uh, you know the trade packages already drawn up type of things. Yeah, it's going to be really interesting. There's a lot of good names. There's a lot of exposed players that – won't get taken either. And they'll be like, why didn't they take those? There's going to be yeah. a lot of like head scratching and moves that there, people are going to be like, why? Why did they do that when yeah. XYZ is available? They can build a good team and still oh, yeah. stay a ways under the cap. So I think that there's a lot of interesting stuff Yep. to watch over the next 24 hours or so. And uh, we will be here to talk about it and how it impacts the Bruins and then free agency probably this time next week or so. 
Sure will. Um, yeah. Well, until then, Lauren, this has been fun. Good to see you. you even too. though I see you all the time now, now, since we're back in person. This is the first Nesson Bruins podcast or Nesson podcast in general that's been recorded in per- person since beginning of March. March, yeah. Yeah. Our days in the office now line up. So the audio quality will be a little bit better. Yes. Uh, I won't have the boiler room of my old apartment blowing in the background. <laughs> One of my dog barking. The dog barking. <laughs> yep. Uh, Mike generally had pretty good sound. I think, yeah. Mike, we had to worry about the lease, but yep. you and I had myriad things to deal with. Sure did. <laughs> All right. So that's Lauren. I'm Logan. Uh, this has been the Ness and Bruins podcast. Like, subscribe, rate, review, all that good stuff. And uh, we will see you here probably a little bit more periodically over the next couple of weeks. But until next time, bye-bye.